0: Hey, just to clarify, uh, some of you are just now coming in, you're wondering what the heck is the pastor doing in shorts? Let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, I grew up beside my grandmother. We lived in a house right beside hers and she went to church every Sunday and I'd be running around on Sunday morning just playing and she'd say, hey, aren't you going to church with me? And I would say, uh, no, I don't have anything to wear. And she would say, just wear what you have on. And I would say. I'm not wearing shorts to church, and uh, I didn't. And just so you know, this is the first time in all my 40 years that I've been to church on a Sunday morning in shorts. But here's why. Because I'm about to leave and get on a cruise ship in about an hour and a half. And so um, I didn't want to waste time changing in my office, all right? So we've been waiting on this for a long time. And so uh, my wife and I, our family, we're preparing for a four-week sabbatical and uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be on a cruise for seven days. We're coming back next week. And we're going to drive straight home and get our kids. And then we're driving to Tennessee, where we'll be for three weeks. And we'll be back on uh, July the 22nd or so. I'll be preaching again July the uh, 27th. But in the meantime, we have uh, four others that will be filling in. Adam Matlack, Greg Dickerson, Ryan Meyer, and Eric Ginther will be preaching in my place. And so if you would be praying for them and uh, support them with your presence. Uh looks like we have a lot of people gone today. I don't know if it was because I said I was wearing shorts. Um I found it odd that we were singing a lot about light and someone made a comment how white my legs are. Um so I'm I'm a little I'm a little uh uncomfortable. I feel a little vulnerable up here a little bit. So anyway, let's get into God's word. Ma- uh, Mark actually chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Heather and I were both raised in families where we had hard-working parents. Uh, in fact, they were a little bit overboard sometimes. I would say that at least my dad was a workaholic, and Heather could probably say the same about her father. And um, we fast forward to the time we, we get married, and we're having kids, and we're working, and uh, Heather and I have this motto that we will rest when we die. Uh it kind of follows Benjamin Franklin's words that says, there will be plenty of time to sleep, once you're dead and we've kind of followed that. But what we have found is that there's probably not a lot of wisdom in that little motto. How many of you need some rest? Yes, I'd say we all probably feel that we need some rest, uh, especially we um, look forward to the weekend. I know on Facebook we see and when it gets to Friday, everybody's talking about how it's Friday. Can't wait till five o'clock. Can't wait to get off of work. We look forward to our downtime, to our rest time. And today, as we finish up our oxygen series, I'm going to talk to you about rest, because rest is essential for life. God made us, He wired us to be rested and to be rejuvenated, and we were made to take that time out of our schedule to find that rest, to allow ourselves to have that rest. It's to set aside some time to catch our breath, to relax, to be rejuvenated, To be recharged for the next day. Or for the next leg of the race. And so rest is essential. The reality is. Is that God is a proponent. Of hard work. And what that produces. But God is also a fan. Of rest. It was his idea. He modeled it for us. He showed us what it means to rest. He demonstrated it. And he requires it of us. In Genesis you see the story of God creating the universe and God worked for six days and then on the seventh day he what? He rested and all, he created all living things. He created humanity and on that seventh day God rested and he called it the Sabbath, which very simply means rest. And in your notes today, you can write this down as just an introduction that God established the principle of rest with the Sabbath. He was showing us that rest is necessary. Now, mind you, God doesn't need rest. He doesn't need to rest, but He knows that He wants to model that for His people. And if God needs rest, if God wants rest, and God sees in His schedule He's going to establish rest, then what we see is that, hey, if God is going to take rest, we have to rest as well. That's the model we need to follow. In Acts chapter 20, God commands that His people observe the Sabbath and to keep that Sabbath holy. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, he gives more specific instructions to the Israelites to keep the Sabbath on a weekly basis. And in addition to weekly Sabbaths, there's approximately seven days each year where no customary work was to be done. That was that they would be taking days off during Jewish feasts and holidays. But I want us to fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus in the New Testament spoke of the need for rest. He practiced it himself himself. He strongly encouraged his disciples to take time of rest. He even helped them carve out time to do so. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, we're going to be going from 31 to verse 52, maybe a little farther, depends. I've only got like 10 minutes here because I'm out of here. And you're like, yeah, you've never preached for 10 minutes. Miracles happen, but probably not today. Okay, not in that area, at least. The disciples had just returned from a a time in ministry that was probably some of the most intense and emotional time in their life. It says that John the Baptist, who had established this great following for Jesus coming, had died. His life had been taken. He had been beheaded. And the disciples had gotten word of that. And they went and they took John the Baptist's body and they buried it in a tomb. And you can imagine how intense that was and how emotional And how emotionally draining that was for the disciples. Well, when they returned back to where Jesus was, they told them what they had done. I don't know if Jesus just hadn't heard of what was going on because John the Baptist was, you know, like a third cousin to Jesus or something like that. And, And you'd think that Jesus would have known. But maybe he just didn't know exactly what they were doing and how emotional, impacting that would be on their life. And so when they had told Jesus what they had done, he immediately responded in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, and this is what he said. He said, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. So Jesus was extremely aware of the physical demands of life, the demands of work, and the demands of ministry. And he was very perceptive of the emotional toll But this was taking on the disciples. So he wanted to help them create some time and space for downtime. This serves as a great lesson for us as well. And so we're going to read the rest of this passage here uh, through verse 38, actually. It says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. You know what leisure is, right? It's rest. It's downtime. And so ministry was so busy... That they couldn't create space and time for rest. And so they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. And so the disciples are weary. I mean, if you can kind of get into the kind of how we communicate today, we go to the desolate place, the people follow, we look at Jesus and say, this is a desolate place. That's not what they expected. And it was getting late. They still hadn't had any time to, to rest. And so look what Jesus does. Send them away and go, uh, to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and by themselves, uh, something to eat but he answered them you give them something to eat and they said to him Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat and what they were saying is hey It's late and we're going to feed all these people 200 denarii would be somewhere around 14,000 dollars in our currency today They didn't have that kind of money So he said to them how many loaves do you have go and see and when they had found out they said five and two fish And I bet you know the next part of the story. Jesus takes the loaves and he takes the the fish and he begins to divide the people up. He says, hey, you guys over here, you guys over here on the grass, y'all get into groups of 50 and 100 and we're going to feed you. And what it says is that he took the loaves and he took the fish and he divided it. And he got the disciples to take the baskets and feed the multitudes of people. And when they finished feeding over 5000 men, the Bible says that there was food left over. And so Jesus worked this miracle. And what I really want to show you is that there are many applications to this passage of Scripture. But I believe Jesus did this miracle to teach all of his disciples this simple lesson. Number one. got two lessons for you today. Number one is we need rest to rest and recharge. We need rest just for the simple fact that we need rest. We need to rest. Jesus recognized the need for rest. And just for the sake of rest, he says, rest. You're like me when I'm resting. I feel like I need to be doing something. It's hard for me to be still. It's hard for my wife to be still. My father is very bad at this. I mean, he he has downtime. He comes to my house to visit once Every couple of years, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's for this simple fact that at my house, there is nothing to do. Nothing! He came down a couple of weeks ago and we sat on the back patio, him and some of my kids and my brother-in-law, and we sat out there and we watched TV on the back patio. That's very difficult for my dad because he has a hard time just resting. I get a little bit of that going. I get in the zone of, of work and study and doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And it's hard for me just to take time to be still. I think on Sunday afternoons that a Sunday afternoon nap means sitting down and turning on a baseball game and getting my iPad and researching for my next sermon. That's not rest. And it's not restful. But that's what I do because I'm a workaholic. Jesus says, hey, just rest for the sake of of Rest. Sounds good, doesn't it? I think I'll try it this week. I started to bring books and tapes and videos and whatever you want to call them tapes today. They're actually DVDs, but um, I started to bring a lot of that stuff. I thought, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna invest in my relationship with my wife, and I'm gonna invest in my relationship with God. But I'm gonna rest and I'm going to recharge. I gotta charge my batteries if I wanna keep going, if I wanna be effective in what I do. It's the same for you. You may not be in ministry, but you work hard. You work hard every day. You you work days and days and days in a row, some of you. But when you're off, you got to take time to rest. And so we need that time to rest and recharge. Jesus recognized this need in the lives of his disciples. These men were physically spent. They were exhausted. Ironically, it was the Sabbath. It was a day when they were supposed to be resting. But it was, it was a busy day for the Sabbath and... Jesus saw that need, and I believe that Jesus worked the miracle to feed the people. Yes, but that wasn't his main purpose. His main purpose was to carve out some time so his disciples could find time to rest. That's one lesson for us, is we have to rest just to rest. It means take a nap, get a good night's sleep, go on a trip, get away a while. Get away with the people you love and go on a vacation if you can. If you can afford it. Because there are so many benefits to being rested. There are physical benefits. There are health benefits to being rested. Uh, Less stress. Weight control. Memory performance. Overall good health when we rest. But here's what I found is that rest can be addicting. Is when you do nothing, you kind of like that you do nothing. It's easier to find a job, at least from my experience... When I have a job, um, like if I'm looking for another job, if I have a job, it's easier to find a job. I've been off of work sometimes for months on end um, for different reasons. And I found that it was hard to get motiv- motivated to go find a job because I like not having a job. I just like my downtime. And so here are two dangers to avoid. Number one is this. Too much work time is a danger to avoid. You don't want to work too much. And here's another one. Too much downtime is a danger to avoid as well. Too much downtime and we get lazy and we accomplish little. But we got to find the right balance. And as Americans, we have a hard time finding the right balance. How many of you have a hard time balancing that? Listen to this. According to a recent study, at least 134 countries have laws that set the maximum length of the work week. The U.S. does not. In the United States, 85.8% of males and 66.5% of females work more than 40 hours per week. Americans work 137 more hours per year than Japanese workers, 260 more hours per year than British workers, and 499 more years than French workers. I think we have a work problem. We're workaholics, and it's rooted in greed. It's rooted in greed because the more we work, the more money we have, the more we can buy, the more things we can do. It's linked to greed. But listen, it's rooted in fear. Our workaholism is rooted in fear. And here's what I mean by that. Heather and I were taught this simple lesson to pray like it all depends on God and to work like it all depends on you. Anybody ever heard that little saying? Pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. But what I find is that the harder we work, we get exhausted, we get tired and we try to work more and we try to work more. But the thing we forget to do is to pray like it all depends on God. And Jesus wanted the disciples to rest for their physical well-being. But there was an underlying reason. is because he wanted them to get still and know that he was God. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. And it's hard to be still when you're resting. It is hard to be still. Not let your mind wander and let your mind get ahead of you and start thinking of all the things that you should be doing. But rest is essential. Dallas Willard said this. He said, the command is do no work. Just make space. Attend to what is around you. Learn that you don't have to do to be. Accept the grace of doing nothing. Stay with it until you stop jerking and squirming. I like that. If you rest long enough, you'll rest. There's another lesson I want to share with you is that we not only must rest to rest and recharge. But we must rest to reconnect and refocus. The next part of this story Is this immediately after they had fed the five thousand when that was over, it says immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After he had taken leave of them, he went up the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And when you read commentary, you'll find that they had been out on the lake or out on the sea For about eight hours when Jesus had left and he was walking up the mountain and some say that he was like three, four, maybe even five miles away when it says he saw them out on the lake and it says that he saw that they were making headway painfully. He saw them struggling For the wind was against them and about the fourth watch of the night he came to them. The fourth night of the watch was somewhere between like three and six a.m. So they'd been out there for over eight hours. He was far away from them. You know how Jesus saw them from that distance? It was his omniscience. It was his, it was his godness. It was his deity. It was who he was. He saw them just like he sees you and I. He saw them from his God perspective that they were rowing and they were struggling and they were having a difficult time making it. He knew they were tired. And it says that he came to them and walked he was walking on the sea and he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I do not be afraid And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. That last verse kind of caught my attention. They didn't understand about the loaves. They didn't really understand why Jesus did the miracle. In their mind, Jesus did the miracle. They got to rest. People got to eat. Thank you, Jesus. Their hearts were still hardened. Their hearts were hardened because they were worn out. If you ever worked so much and you're so tired that your heart's hardened? You have a bad attitude. You're not refreshed. You take it out on everybody. That's kind of what I see with the disciples. They're just worn out. And so Jesus comes to them and he calms the storm. He fed the 5,000 because they needed rest. But he calms the storm because they needed peace. Everybody needs physical rest, but everybody also needs peace. Talking about inner peace, emotional rest. And Jesus knew the disciples needed that and he knew that he was really the only one who could give it. And so the main point that I want us to take away here is that they needed rest to reconnect relationally. And they needed rest to refocus spiritually. Relationally, when we talk about reconnecting, it's uh, maybe a little bit difficult to get our mind wrapped around that because we are constantly connected. We live in a, a cordless digital mobile age and we are constantly connected. If you have a cell phone, you're constantly connected. Uh, this sometime in the middle of the night, my phone made a noise last night and woke me up and it was an email. I'm constantly connected. Um and that's not always good. Sometimes we need to just pull back a little bit and disconnect. Our, our mobile devices, our phones, our iPads, our computers can be some of the most rude and interfering enemies ever, because they steal our time away from the, those we love the most, whether it's our wife, our husband, our kids, our church family, Uh, It it robs us of community that God wants us to have. And it robs us of the community that we need to have with God. And so sometimes we have to lay those things down in order to reconnect. It's difficult. I can probably go through. I can probably peek in the windows of your house. And many of you are probably doing a lot of what we find ourselves doing. (laughs) Yeah. Huh? Dad, did you hear me? Huh? Huh? Yeah, I heard you. What did I say? Uh, not sure. Anybody else do that? That's that's my life. And my my daughter, my wife, we're all we're always searching and going and trying to be connected and look at our news feed and see kind of what's going on in the world. And it's probably not healthy. We have to disconnect to reconnect. Reconnect with one another. But let's go a little bit deeper. It's not just about connecting. Relationally, as it is refocusing spiritually and what we really need and what the disciples needed was a spiritual refocus. They needed spiritual rest that only God could give, that only Jesus could show them and give to them. They needed faith. And at one point they felt like everything depended on them. When you work all the time, you feel like everything depends on you. And if you stop working, if you miss for a moment that there's a a little bit of money you're going to miss. I remember when Heather and I were first married, I I worked in a church and I worked at Walmart. And if I I mean, I made one hundred and twenty five dollars in a tank of gas in the first ministry that I served three months into it, they took away the tank of gas. I mean, if I didn't work at Walmart, I mean, we didn't make any money. And so I remember one morning I got up and I was so sick and Heather said, you you just got to stay home. And I said, if I don't work. I don't get paid. And so I went to work and I guess it was about three hours into uh, to work. I was they called me up to the front to check. Yes, I was a Walmart checker deluxe. OK, and so I'm sitting here trying to push the keys on and I had to key in thing. This was back in the, the old days, like when I was, was 20 years ago. So I was having to punch in numbers and um, I finished ringing up this person. I went over to the my, my supervisor. I said, hey, I need to go take a break. I think I'm getting sick. And she said, hey, you don't have time to take a break. I said, let me tell you something. I'm either going to take a break or I'm going home. She goes, "Okay, go take a break. So I go and I take my break and I come back and I'm still trying to work. And she visibly saw me shaking. And she said, hey, I think you need to go home. And I went home and took my temperature. I had one hundred and four point five fever. I had I had the flu and I thought I was going to die. But you know what? It was very, very, very hard not to be at work. Because if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. And it's hard to take that time to rest, to allow your body to recover, allow your body to heal, to heal. It's the same thing spiritually. Sometimes we get sick spiritually and we don't even realize that We just keep pressing and keep pressing and keep pressing because we think to be spiritual means to do something. Listen, to be spiritual To be godly doesn't mean to do something. It means to be something. You know, if you look at the story of Mary and Martha, you got one who's running around and cleaning the house and she's getting all ticked off at her sister because she's not up helping. Where is her sister? She's in the living room with Jesus and she comes in there and starts griping. And Jesus says, hey, maybe you need to take a lesson from your sister. Because it's better to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, just being with Jesus, than it is to be about doing the things of Jesus and it wear you down and wear you out physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually to where you're no, no good to anybody. And so God is bringing us here. He's showing us that we're going through the storms of life and we're coming through it and He wants to give us rest. And to get that rest, we have to get alone with Him. And when we're not willing to carve out that time to spend that time with Him, He will do it for us. Because He wants us to have that peace. He wants us to have that rest. So I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 4. It's on, it's on the screen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. It says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. When he's writing this, he's referring back to the Israelites and all their work and all their toil, all their days of journeying through the wilderness and coming to the end, coming to the border of the promised land and and missing it. Because they tried to take care of themselves. They tried to meet their own needs. They worked like it depended on them. And they basically turn their heart away from God. And what the writer of Hebrews is showing us is that, hey, you got to take time to rest physically. you got to take time to rest spiritually. Because none of this depends on you. None of it. And I would just say that it is so freeing to know that this church does not depend on Brian Lambert. It is so freeing to know that our life groups do not, do not rest upon the shoulders of the life group shepherd. That this church does not rest upon those who have been here from the very beginning. That this church is God's church and it rests in the hands of God Himself. And God will protect it. God will restore it. God will change it. God will lead it. And we have to rest in that. Look at your own life spiritually. We try to be godly. We try to be holy. We try to do better things. And we try and we try and we try to be better But the best thing is, is just to rest and know that you cannot be holy on your own. You cannot be godly on your own. And it doesn't matter how hard you work. You cannot work your way into holiness, blessing, favor with God. You just can't do it. The rest that God wants to give us is the fact that he has given us his grace and his mercy. And nothing depends on us. It all depends on Him. And one day we're going to go to heaven. One day we're going to gather around the throne and we're going to worship. But it won't have anything to do with what we've done. It'll have everything to do with the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And that alone should be restful for us all. Mark Driscoll. He said on the Sabbath day we are remembering that my relationship with God did not begin with what I've done It is not sustained by what I do and it's not guaranteed to the end by my effort or work. I'm saved from the beginning to end by Jesus' work. Period. This week I'm going to go get on a ship and I'm going to rest for seven days. I'm going to go to Tennessee and I'm going to spend time in the mountains I'm going to rest for three weeks. And my prayer is that I can come back and I can rest knowing that this church depends on jesus and that my salvation is in jesus and my uh, being a husband is found in jesus and my being a father the best of my ability is really only found in jesus because everything in this life is wrapped up in his grace and today i want to encourage you whether you're going on a vacation or whether you stay home this summer carve out time to rest but don't let your mind get idle Don't get hard-hearted. Intentionally realize that God wants us to rest, to rest, and to recharge. And that He wants us to rest so that we can reconnect and so we can refocus on what matters most. Jesus showed His disciples what mattered most. They had eight hours they had carved out on that lake, on that boat, on that ship, and they spent it with Him. And it said they crossed over. They crossed over and in Mark chapter six, verse 54, it says when they came out of the boat immediately, the people recognized him. They ran through the whole uh, surrounding region and began to carry about on beds. Those who were sick to wherever they heard he was, wherever he entered into villages, cities or in the country. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and they begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. The rest didn't last long, but I think their rest was enough just to realize who Jesus was. And when they got to the other side, they saw the people coming and touching the hem of his garment. And I think their hearts had been softened. and They began to see what the big picture was, is that Jesus is not just a little part of our life. He's not just a good friend who's sitting over here on the side, who's kind of walking through us with life. Jesus is everything. The people were desperate for Jesus and I pray and I hope that the disciples saw this. I hope that they saw that through their time of rest, that they saw that Jesus was everything and he was everything that they wanted. And that when they saw the people coming desperate to just to touch the hem of his garment, that they realized who he was. And they realized that Jesus was the only one who would give them rest and peace for the toil, for the emotional struggle that they carried with them each day. And I pray that for you and I. And here's where it begins it begins by reconnecting and resolidifying that relationship with Jesus and today just confessing god i'm a workaholic i work hard at my job i work hard at my family i work hard to be like you and i pray you'll forgive me and help me to rest in knowing that it doesn't depend on me it depends on you let's pray